All right, everyone, we'd like to welcome to the program the FCGA's Director of Course Rating, Doug Sullivan. How you doing, man? Good, Jonathan. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I haven't seen you for a while, though, and that, that breaks my heart. I know. We uh, we always have fun when we're in, in the office together, and uh, I, I long for those days and hope they come again soon. That's right. Uh, keep Keep positive, Doug. We need that right now. So... For all our listeners that, you know, aren't familiar with your specific role, can you give them an idea of what your work consists of here at the SCGA? Sure. As as director of course rating, my main responsibility is I oversee the course rating of all of our member uh, member courses throughout Southern California. Um, it's, a, it's a program that we oversee ratings at over 500 golf courses. Uh, we use volunteers to help conduct the ratings and we're responsible. We're really the touch points for every round of golf that's being played because we're issuing these ratings for the courses and whether they're a member at that particular course or a guest plays that golf course, they're touching our ratings that uh, that we provide. So the rating program is a core service that we have been providing for many years. We don't charge for the rating process. We measure golf courses and we rate them uh, free of charge for our members. So it's one of our core services, and it's not just me out there. There's a bunch of volunteers that I rely on to help help produce all the, the numbers that we come up with. That's right. And, you know, this is a little bit of a complicated question because I've, I've been out on the course for a rating with you before. And yes. So maybe we try the Cliff Notes version. How do you rate a golf course? I know, you know, there's a magic formula, but there's still some eye of the beholder, right? There is a little eye of the beholder, as you as you call it, but I tell you what, to be honest with you, Jonathan, it's getting less and less every time uh, the USGA puts out new guidelines and new procedures on mm-hmm. how we rate golf courses. Uh, we get a new rating guide, if you will. It's kind of a, a book that we follow all the procedures and guidelines that the USGA tells us to. And it's not just us. It's every golf association and not only the U.S., but about 80 countries now are all utilizing the same rating system under the World Handicap System. So in order for it to work, it needs to be very consistent, not only from course to course, but from state to state and region to region and country to country. So while there is some eye of the beholder stuff in there, a lot of it is very objective. And as an example, if a fairway landing zone measures X and the length of the hole is Y, we have a table and it tells us what the starting point is. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of objectivity that goes into it and the subjectivity is becoming less and less as we as we move along with the with the system. Yeah, and can you explain a little bit the difference between course rating and slope? Sure. The uh the course rating is a number like seventy one point five, sixty eight point four, those type numbers that everybody sees on the scorecard. And that number really represents the ability of the scratch or zero handicap golfer. That number represents what a scratch golfer will shoot on the better better rounds that they play at that golf course. Uh, there's another number that we come up with that you don't always see or hear about, but it's called the bogey course rating. And that number is anything like a, a 90.0, 102.4, those type numbers. And that number represents what the bogey golfer or someone who has a handicap around 20 or 22 should be shooting at that golf course when they play to their handicap. So the course rating represents the ability of the scratch or zero handicap golfer. This bogey rating 
is used to determine the slope rating. And where slope comes from is it's that difference between the bogey course rating and the scratch course rating multiplied by, like you call it, the magic the magic formula in the background. So the higher that difference between the bogey golfer skill level and the scratch golfer skill level, uh, the higher the slope is going to be. So slope is there to adjust golfers' course handicaps based on the, the relative difficulty of competing at that golf course with a with a zero handicap golfer. When you're determining that bogey golfer, there is a specific set of guidelines as far as their skill level, right? So what is it? Is it 225 yards? Is their average drive? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, for men, the uh, the bogey golfer hits the ball 200 yards off the tee. That's a tee shot length for the for the 2022 20, handicap golfer. Uh, female bogey golfers hit it about 150 off the tee. They're around 22 to 26 handicap golfers. And that's where we're going and measuring how wide the fairway is, looking to see if there's a fairway bunker in the landing zone, how far is it to any out-of-bounds or penalty areas that exist, and things like that. So we have these prescribed yardages, and like I said, it's 200 for men and 150 for the bogey woman golfer as to how far they can hit it, and that's where we're doing the actual rating evaluations from. So you got into a little bit there, but what constitutes a quote-unquote tough course you know in other words what features of a golf course are going to yield a higher rating and in turn be defined as you know a harder course well my stock answer to that jonathan is uh, when people say hey what's the hardest course you've, you've seen and, and usually my stock answer is it's the one i'm on right because that's that's my uh that's where i gotta hit my next shot but uh, well you're a funny guy anyway so <laughs> yardage is the big thing um anytime you get a lot of yardage bogey golfers have trouble overcoming big distances. So you get around 6,000, 6,500, up to 7,000. Those bogey golfers, just covering that distance, even without any obstacles out there, can be difficult. You're asking them to hit, you know, 500-yard par fours, for example, in two shots, which they cannot do, and they have to hit three really good shots just to get there sometimes in regulation. And as I said, that's without the obstacles. So what happens is, Anytime you get yardage, you see the slope going way up because people don't think of yardage as an obstacle, but that's the biggest one to overcome. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about, I know I found it very interesting how you guys are out there and you look at the green complexes and there is a rating that goes along with the green complexes. So these, you know, turtleback greens or what have you. Can you talk a little bit about um, what constitutes maybe a hard, a hard green complex? Sure. Um, smaller greens will lead to higher ratings because smaller greens are more difficult to hit from an approach shot than, than bigger greens. That's that's one thing we look at. Um, and, and looking at the green surface itself, we look at two categories. One is how fast are the greens um, using a stint meter, which is a, a device used to measure green speed. And the second part of that evaluation is how difficult is it to putt on? Is it a flat green? Is it slopey? Has it got a lot of contours? Is there a tier? Things like that. So it's a combination of speed and contour of the greens that come up with our with our surface numbers. And, and green surface is one of the 10 obstacles we look at when we rate a golf course. That's great. And I believe PJ West Stadium still has the highest slope of any course in Southern California. So 
what about that course specifically makes it so difficult when you're comparing, you know, the scratch golfer to the average bogey? I know from experience, I, I think I know the answer, but I'll let you take it away. I'm sure you do. Um, the big thing about PGA West, the stadium course, is you've got pretty much out of bounds on, on every hole. The, the, that golf course is surrounded by condos and homes, and if you start spraying the ball left or right, you have out-of-bounds issues. But Bingo. you've also got you've also got 14 holes, I believe. Yeah, don't don't quote me on that number, but I know it's over half of those holes have huge water hazards on them. And not only do you have to worry about those water hazards now called penalty areas from a lateral standpoint, but you have to carry water on several tee shots just to get to the fairway. And you've seen my golf game as a bogey golfer. That's not easy to do sometimes. Right. So how often do these courses call you up and say, hey, you know, we had a bunker renovation or a slight redesign. We need to get you back out here to uh, rate and measure. Or is there, um, you know, just a standard schedule where you're just you're running around and re-rating courses every so often, every you know certain amount of years? The USGA requires a uh, course to be re-rated every 10 years. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is because our, our rating guidelines change every four years. It follows a, a four-year cycle. So every four years we get new guidelines. The USGA requires a 10-year re-rate. We're on an eight-year schedule right now. And the reason we do eight years is if we contact the course after eight years and they say, hey, we're doing some bunker, bunker renovations next year, um, it doesn't make sense for us to do it in year eight and then go back again a year later and, and redo it after they do their bunkers. So it kind of gives us a window of opportunity in there to – push them back a year if that's the case. But technically, after 10 years, a rating will expire and uh, golfers aren't allowed to post to them. So we're on an eight-year cycle right now. Okay. Now, is it true that you've stepped foot on every golf course, public and private, in Southern California? <laughs> uh, yes, it is. And it's funny. When I, uh, when I first started thinking about that, it didn't seem like that big a deal. But as I <laughs> get older... And, you know, I've been in this job here in Southern California for over 15 years now. I look at that as uh, that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, I don't know how many other people can, can say that. But, yes, since we're on any year schedule, we're starting to go back to courses a second, third time now. So, um, but, yes, to answer your question, I've been on every golf course in Southern California. Yeah, I know. I tell all my buddies I know the, the guy that has the best job in, in the country. Um, so, count your blessings, Doug. But I'm not going to let you get away without answering this, and I'm sure you get asked it all the time. What are what? I guess you could either do it one way or the other. What's your favorite course you've ever stepped foot on, or maybe a top five, top three, no particular order? That's that's a great question, and um, I, I guess the way the way to look at that is uh, having worked for the USGA and other golf associations around the country, I've had a a lot of really wonderful opportunities to to travel, not only through the U.S., but around the around the world. So um, if you're talking internationally, I'd say my top few courses are the, the old course at Bally Bunyan in Ireland, the old course at St. Andrews, and a little closer to home, I have an infinity having worked for the Golf Association of Philadelphia with uh, Pine Valley in New Jersey, as well as Marion right outside of Philadelphia. So um, like I said, I've been I've been really lucky over the years to be able to visit a lot of fine, fine, wonderful golf courses. How about Southern California? You know, I knew you were going to go there, and I don't want to leave anybody out on that because uh, <laughs> they're they're all wonderful golf courses. But I I will say that 
there there is one golf course that I will go to any extreme to go visit. I will go out of the way. I've been there about a dozen times in 15 years, and I try to get there once a year. It's off the beaten path, and uh, I don't know if you've been there or not, Jonathan. But uh, if you ever if you haven't, you need to get out to Borrego Springs and take a look at Rams Hill. That was a, a Fazio redo back about 10 years ago, and I just absolutely love it. It's it's like I said, it's hard to get to, but once you're there, it's it's fantastic. Well, I don't know if you're playing dumb with me, but I had a feeling you were going there, and uh, I've been there many, many times. And as we know, our mutual friend, you can check him out on uh, social media, at Rams Hill Will. This is a totally unpaid advertisement, by the way. <laughs> ne- ne- neither of us were, were planning on this answer, but I totally agree with you, Doug. Um, it's, it's pretty wild out there, just a serene setting and just this green oasis in the middle of truly nothing, um, to be honest with you. So, Yeah, even, even though this is an unpaid solicitation, Jonathan, I think, uh, I think we ought to call Will up and uh, I think you can get us on there. I think so. I mean, we already did a social media contest, and they won best, <laughs> best public course in Southern California. Now Doug Sullivan's dropping dropping their name. So, wow, yeah, he owes us. So, a couple last ones here. What's your average odometer reading for the full year? Thirty-five thousand a year is, okay. is is my average. It's obviously down this year for obvious reasons, but um, yep. b- before this year it was uh, thirty-five thousand a year. And, you know, I'll leave you with this. Our volunteers are so important to the SCGA, whether it be, you know, our rules officials or your uh, course raiders or our SCGA junior volunteers or, you know, communications and marketing committee member. You know, volunteers are really the lifeblood of our organization, um, and they're very paramount to what you do. So, uh, you know, I think maybe give the listeners a little bit of uh, insight on just how important they are and maybe if they're interested, how they can get involved. Yeah, and you're right, Jonathan. Without our volunteers, not only just for course rating, but uh, tournaments and SCJ Junior and everything else in between, um, we can't do any of the the work that we do. So, from a rating standpoint, I've got about 45 volunteers who are just phenomenal. They they all got into it to kind of give something back to the game they love that have given them so much over the years, and they are willing to travel anywhere they need to to help rate a golf course. There's the perk of playing it, of course, to validate the ratings, which is part of, um, you know, some of the reasons they sign up. But um, they will go anywhere, and they have to be trained every year. We have a training program, and they all attend. Nobody ever misses it because they don't want to be put on our inactive waiting list for a year. So it's it's just the, the best group of people I've ever, I've ever been around. And... Um, there's not one that I wouldn't enjoy around a golf with or, or, or have some dinner with. And these volunteers all basically signed up just uh, letting us know that they're interested in being a volunteer. And like you said, there's many different ways to volunteer and give back to the game through us. But if you're interested in being a raider, um, course rating at scga.org is our email address. And um, you can imagine there is a bit of a wait list wait list sometimes because once you're on this committee people tend not to leave it it's uh just a wonderful group of people yeah and who wouldn't enjoy spending some time with you doug so with that i think um that does it for this episode of quarantine chronicles you know hopefully we can change the name of this podcast at some point here but uh for now we're, we're sticking with it but thanks for thanks for joining doug this was a great chat and very informative i think everybody really enjoyed this one 
Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, Jonathan. All right. We'll talk soon.